If you're ready for freedom from the grind, then passive income from real estate investing is the best way to get you there. If you don't know where to start or what to do next, then the Rent Roll Radio Show is the best place to get you there. Join us while we discuss the best practices, strategies, and mindset you'll need and give you actionable content to get you from where you are to where you want to be. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, welcome to the show. As always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. Today, we are joined by David Sanford. So David has a um, pretty robust real estate background, and I'm super excited that we were able to connect and looking forward to hearing his story. So David, can you uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, definitely. Sterling, I just want to first say, you know, of course, I appreciate being on the show. You know, it's it's great. I've been listening to your podcast a lot lately and got some really cool guests. I'm kind of honored to kind of join that list there. Um, but thanks a lot. So, yeah. Um, so I've been in, rest- in real estate since about 2015. I got my first rental. Um, it was actually a house that my wife and I owned and we were moving into a bigger house and we just decided to rent that house out. It was like around the same time I read like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And um, so it's just the timing just worked out. Um so we rented that house out in 2015, 2016. We were like, this is pretty cool to make that cash flow. So we started saving up some capital, um, bought our second rental property, which is actually like our first true property, like investment property, because the first one was just a house we, we already owned. Um, and then, yeah, we just kept, we were like, this is pretty cool. So we kept saving up our money and buying more houses. And then, um, you know, we were, it was a slow growth. You know, it probably took us about until like 2018. I probably only had like eight houses just because, um, you know, it was kind of, it was difficult to save enough capital. I hadn't quite learned like the power of using other people's capital and, and leverage that way. Yeah. So it just took us a while to kind of grow, but yeah, 20, yeah. 2018. I mean, yeah. I mean, a lot of people would say eight houses in two years is not slow at all. You know, I, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's so funny. Cause I look back at like the goals I wrote down when I first started and, it, and I wanted to buy like two houses the first year and then was like hoping to buy three the next year. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you, yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize like, Oh wait, there's a cheat code here and you can actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's funny. I wish I had written down like my goals. You know, I, I just started that recently actually. So, but it would be so cool to be able to look back to like my 2016, 2017 goals and just kind of see like, I was really limiting myself. <laughs> yeah. But it's so yeah. true. So I started doing it in, um, in 2014, I started writing down my goals. Wow, that's cool. And then in in the beginning of 2020, I started writing them down every day. So I've written nice. down my goals every day for the last, uh, or whatever that math works out to. I filled up, yeah, I filled up several of the little uh, leather bound journals, <laughs> uh, just writing them over and over. And it's it's. It, it's it's impactful and and you're right I and mean, when you reflect back on it it's very self-limiting what you like give yourself credit mm-hmm. for you know what i mean and like and if i, I kind of like do it out so i, I like all right these are my, my three month goals these are my one year goals and this is my three year goals right mm, that's so smart and, and a lot of times you like fall ridiculously short on your three month goals but then you look at like your three year goals when you reflect backwards and you like 10 x it so it's, it's yeah you like crushed it yeah there's a quote out there about like like People severely under, overestimate what they can accomplish in a year, but underestimate what they can accomplish in 10 years. You know, that kind of yeah. Thing. Yeah. I've heard that before. I'm actually like, just, I'm not, I'm probably not going to do anything with it, but I'm writing a book right now. Just kind of, I think it'd be kind of cool to give to my kids or, you know, my family just kind of, so they can see the story. But um, yeah, one of the the chapters there, I'm talking exactly like you said, like, you know, like you, people so underestimate what they can do over a couple of years, but 
yeah, it's like, you know, three, six months goals. Like they, yeah, it's just, like you said, it's really, people really uh, overestimate what they can do in short term, but underestimate what they can do in long term. So it's, that's key. So tell us a little bit about, cause you have, you said you have 50 rental properties now, 50 rental houses. Yes. Right around there. I don't, um, it, it's right around like 50 to 55 range. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, people always laugh when they ask me, cause I'm like, I don't know. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. so how did you, how did you, in the beginning, what, what, what was your strategy before you like kind of, I'm assuming you eventually like evolved into like the Burr method and started using private yep. money to buy and, and just flip it over and over again. And that's how you built the majority of them. But like those, those in the early days, you, you're in the military. So I would imagine you started with the VA loan on your, your primary residence. And then what was the next play? Like what kind of, what did your financing options look like when you started buying investment properties for property two, three, four, and five? Yeah. So actually when I bought my first house, I wasn't eligible for the VA loan yet because I'm uh so I'm, I'm active duty in the National Guard now, but back then I was just in the National Guard and you have to serve for so many years before you actually earn the, the VA loan um, or you have to have so much active duty period, which I didn't have at that point. So our first house was actually a, a short sale. Um, so that was, you know, just your generic. I think we put like 5% down or something like that. Um, the second house though was, was the VA loan by that point I had earned it. So I'd use the VA loan for that one. Um, but then, like I said, you know, we got our, our first true rental property. Um, and that was just your, your standard 20% down loan. So we were just, we would save up. I think our first house was, we paid 90,000 for it. Fennel and Zillow, it was, it cash flowed great, which, you know, in today's market, it's kind of hard to find those kind of deals on, on the MLS. But yeah, I think we paid like 90,000 for that house. So we had to put down the 18,000. Um, I put in maybe another 8,000 just in like some flooring and paint. Um, but yeah, um, and we just kept on that. We kept saving up till we had 20%. Like, I remember asking my wife, like, hey, how, how little can I have in the bank? Like, <laughs> how much can I spend <laughs> over that amount? Um, and at the time, she was like, well, let's just keep like, like 5,000. And now I'm like, that was so dangerous. Like, <laughs> only keeping a $5,000, anything over that I would spend on real estate. But it worked out, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't suggest anybody kind of risk it All, like that. Um, all's well that ends well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was just our first couple loans. We would save up 20%, put it, put it down. And then I think it was around like house like six or seven or so that my lender um, taught us like the cash out refinance, uh, which I, I didn't even know that was a thing um, up until that point. So once he introduced that to us, I think we cashed out like our first, the very first rental that we bought and we were able to pull out, you know, the 18,000 we put down, but we were also able to pull out like an extra, like 12,000 just because of the appreciation and everything. So then we were able to take that money to buy two more houses. Um, and we just kind of went that way with the, the 20% down loans. And where are you located? Where do you live? I live in uh, central Virginia, Richmond. Um, um, most of my, my portfolio is right around like the Richmond um, surrounding cities in Virginia. And then I've also recently just started buying out towards like Virginia Tech out in like Roanoke, Blacksburg type area. Awesome. So what are your... What do your rental properties look like from a numbers perspective? Like what, what do they rent for? What is your financing cost? How do you underwrite? Like this is going to be a good rental property. And then, and then in hindsight, has it worked out the way that it did initially in your spreadsheet? 
Well, um, so generally when I look at a deal, like the first thing I look at, so I, I raise capital now, you know, I don't use my own money. So I try to keep my all in costs at 70% of what the house will be worth. I think that's a pretty common formula. And it, it's just, I think that's a safe formula to use because I know like my lender will do 75%. I've got one lender, he'll do 80% of, you know, the value of the house. So I kind of build in that buffer in case like, like you're seeing right now, you know, houses I bought three or four months ago, they're not quite worth what they were. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm just very like thankful that you know I'm buying at seventy percent because so that way I have like a buffer there in case the market does kind of take a dip or something like that. But um, it it goes to to refinance the property and pay it off. But so that's probably the first metric I look at is just to make sure it's it's seventy percent all in. Um, I used to focus heavily on like the one percent rule for you know the rent rate. I wanted it to be one percent of my all in cost. Um, now it's 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 a little bit more difficult to find that recently. I, f- I found. Um, you know, cause I, I buy primarily from wholesalers. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm not getting like the steep, steep discounts that if I were to do like my own marketing, I could get, but. So same, I've never done my own marketing. Um, I've always yeah. thought about it. I've just never gotten around to it. I bought everything I've ever bought from wholesalers. So yeah, yeah. what about, and I think, I think, you know, I'm, I'm with you there on the 70%. Um, what is what about the the cash flow metric right so like do you do you look at like all right well x is my rent x is my mortgage x is my insurance and taxes and then we'll take out x for you know vacancy and repair and then you've got two hundred dollars left so like do you look at that or you just are you like mm-hmm. or is your portfolio just self-sufficient or is it like kicking off a tremendous amount of extra cash flow? Like talk to us about those numbers. Yeah. So it's, it's as if you're, you're reading my notes here, but yeah, so exactly. <laughs> so I look at the, uh, yeah, the principal interest tax and insurance, you know, the, the pity, the, the key for right there. Um, and whatever that is, usually I add $400 to it. Um, so I find out, you know, I've got like a little online calculator where I can type in, you know, the, the purchase price, the interest rate, the, how many years the loan is going to be, and it'll tell me how much the payment will be. Um, so usually I, I add 400 bucks to it and if I can rent it for that, you know, I'll, I'll go to like Zillow to see what the rental estimate is or rent meter. Um, so, you, you know, just all these, you add $400 to the principal interest taxes and insurance. Yep. And so and that, what's your logic in that $400? Is it that how much of that $400 do you feel like? is going to be gobbled up by like a vacancy repair type of. Like yeah. That. On, on average, um, I'm probably pocketing 150 of that 400 because so much goes to like property management, vacancy expenses, yeah. you know, CapEx, things like that. So, um, that's kind of why I, I do that 400 Mexico. Cause I know like 8% of the rents going to the property manager. I know it's probably gonna be vacant. Well, hopefully I don't have turnover like that, but you know, at least a month, a year or so. So, mm-hmm. um, that 400 kind of builds in that buffer. So it's not, you know, across the portfolio is not producing like a, a ton of income, ton of cash flow, but I'm positive on everything. Um, yeah. So it's it's kind of more like the long term wealth game at this point. Yeah, yeah, that's same. So like people see how many rentals I have, and they're like, "Oh, well, you can just go sit on the beach." And I'm like, "Well, it doesn't, doesn't <laughs> yeah. not yeah. quite yet." You know what I mean? Like it doesn't really work that way. Um, like it's all, you know, it's all self-sufficient. It's all paying for it, but there's, 
there's just so many other costs. I mean, yes. it's great that I have them, right? They're building long-term wealth. They're appreciating. They're paying down debt. Like that's that's all cool. But the the you know the the cash flow that we're we're actually seeing, and 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 you know what? I always tell people that like that are in, and I guess you've been doing about the same amount of time as as me. You know, fast forward ten years, what's going to happen is our fixed rate debt is going to stay where it is today, but the rents are going to be way up here. So that spread's going to mm-hmm. grow. Yeah, over time. Yeah, especially the, these past, you know, 12, 12 to 18 months. Like, my, yeah, the amount of rent I can get for a house. Like, my property manager emailed me yesterday. She's like, hey, I just want to let you know we filled this unit at 1050 which when I bought the house initially, I was, you know, the rent was 750 I was happy. <laughs> right. Yeah, so it's went up 300 bucks. So, did you always have a property manager? No. Um, so now I'm, I'm full time in the military. Um, so, you know, when I started buying properties, I got to, I was self-managing up until I got to like, like eight, eight houses, 10 houses, maybe somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the army decided that I would, I should change my job. So they, uh, they kind of directed me, it's called a command direct where they, they kind of force you to take a new job. So they did that. And I was like, I do not want to do this new job as, as a recruiter, you know, it's a military recruiter is probably one of the hardest jobs in the military. But, um, so once they said I was going to become a recruiter, I was like, well, I know it's going to take a ton of my time because recruiting is difficult, especially like in this day and age, like mm-hmm. it's hard. Um, so I, I knew like I would have to hire out property management. And then at the same time, I was like, you know, I'm going to really scale my portfolio so that way I can leave my military and I won't have to recruit. So at the same time, I, I outsourced property management, scaled the portfolio. And then I, I love recruiting now. So it was like a win-win. So completely non-real estate related. But I'm just curious, why is recruiting more difficult in this day and age? I wish I knew. Uh, you know, I think, um, you know, where where I'm located at, it's, they're not, um, it's just a political environment, you know, political of like the surrounding areas. Yeah, they're not extremely pro-military in this area. Um, so it's a little bit tougher. And then, you know, I, I don't really see it a lot but you know a lot of people think that like you know like it's just the millennials like they don't they're not looking to serve um you know like the prior generations and i mean i'm we're still finding decent numbers but it, it's just um it's it's harder to find people it's just a completely different different mindset about nationalism and and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah i, I, I was just curious i mean you can see it <laughs> you can see it watching the news you know it's no no, yeah. no surprise. I was just curious from your perspective, from from you know being on the streets trying to do the recruiting. Um. So what uh what what's next for you? What's your what's your next play going to be? Yeah. So I think now I'm at a point, and I've known this, you know, probably for a year or more so that I need to like start scaling. I'm doing great at single families. Um. You know, I've got some duplexes, but you know, not 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 a true multifamily property. Um. About a year ago or so, I, I invested in um, like a coaching mentor uh, education program to learn the multifamily side. Whose program, um, if you don't mind? It's through the military, through active duty passive income. Oh, yeah. Um, I, know, I know all those guys. So Eric Upchurch oh, cool. is a good friend of mine. Yeah. And I know Tim as well. And I uh, just interviewed uh, somebody else from over there. So I've oh, very cool. always been a big fan of all those guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're amazing. I mean, it's just... The amount of information that they'll give and you know i felt like for the the education platform that they were providing like the, at the price point that they were providing it was like it's a no-brainer i can try to go learn all this stuff on my own through youtube and books and podcasts and blogs and all this or just pay for the program and and learn it a lot faster um 
Yeah. So yeah, so that was really cool. When you say commercial property, are you looking like uh multifamily? I think a lot of those guys these days are kind of in like the mobile home park space and the self-storage space. And I want to yeah. say some of them are in the, the RV park space. What what, mm-hmm. what avenue were you looking to go? So I was thinking what what feels natural to me is to just move into like multifamily, you know, apartment complexes. But, you know, I'm not I looked at a property yesterday. Um, it's a medical building, you know, a doctor's office. So it's going to cash flow great. Um, you know, the price point they're asking is kind of like what I'm trying to figure out what's the catch. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think um, and this one was kind of just like, you know, my, my broker was off market thing, you know, so he was like, hey, you know, like with the, the returns that you're looking for, you know, you know, we're having a hard time finding an apartment deal, you know, a multifamily deal. So would you consider like a medical building? So that's how that one kind of came about. And so how are you planning on structuring these these projects? Are you using your own money as a down payment? Are you leaning more into the capital raising side of buy? Yeah, more on the capital raising side. You know, of course, I'm going to put some of my, my own skin in the game. Just, you know, I think uh, that's kind of necessary, especially with me just starting out in the multifamily space. You know, I should also put some cash in the game. But yeah, primarily just raising funds. So, you know, I've, you know, in the past past couple of weeks, you know, I'm starting to get a little bit more active on, on Instagram and Twitter, LinkedIn, and just starting to kind of grow my network out that way. Awesome. And how is that going? Are you getting the traction that, that you would, would have hoped <laughs> to at this point? Um, no, I probably need to hire a marketing team. I probably need to hire somebody to help me out here because I'm not, I'm not big on social media. So like, yeah, you know, the, the quality that I'm posting is, is pretty, uh, you can tell I don't have a marketing team and then I'm, um, I'm kind of doing this all myself, but um it has worked out you know i've, I've probably raised like i said I've, I've been on posting you know on social media for about 45 days or so and um i've got close to like three hundred thousand that i've raised so far nice. so um, so what what i find and with and, and ultimately what we'd like to do right with the social media and with with active campaign and with our websites and is we would like to create this fly trap that attracts people from across the country and just drives people to our site and signs up for our drip, you know, our, our lead magnet and nurture them with their drip campaign. And then we just, we're just churning in investors from all over. And, mm. and I've spent all that money and I've got a marketing director and we, we, you know, you see me oh, cool. all the time, but yeah, I've, I don't know that I've ever had an investor like go f- like through that process. Like, I don't know that I've ever gotten like a cold investor. What it has mm. done is it is it it is given me an extreme amount of credibility with my natural market and and the referrals that they go so like what i've gotten since i've started doing that i've gotten a lot more investors but it's not from like there it's not like (laughs) some random guy in pittsburgh like sees my you know laid magnet i need to download that and what happens (laughs) is like like my cousin's realtor's brother sends me like his cousin and then he hops on crestworthcapital.com and goes oh this guy looks legit you know what i mean or they check out my instagram and go oh wow look at all this content he's provided so like it's it's weird all the activity is it's definitely working and growing my investor base <laughs> but like not in its intended function yeah not the avenue that you thought <laughs> yeah yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was talking to a friend the other day and it's like, like, like I said, I'm new to social media. So posting is just kind of like, I'm still in an awkward stage or I'm like, nobody yeah. wants to see my face. They don't want to hear me talk. So, um, I haven't quite gotten over that, but you know, I was talking well, to them. I'm like, well, it's what, what, what you, what held me back for a long time 
was because I've got, and I mean, I, you can look at these real estate guys that I've got 900 friends in common with that I've met at the, you know, the, the um, conferences and stuff. And you're afraid to say something stupid in front of them. But reality mm-hmm. is they're all trying to do the same shit you're trying to do. So it doesn't really matter what you say in front of them. <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, that's a good you're, point. Your friends and family and friends and families, friends and family and friends, all those those people that don't know anything about real estate, you know way more than them. You are an expert because you have built a 50-house rental portfolio and you've done that training from active duty passive income. And those two qualifications alone mean that you know more about real estate investing than like 99% of the general public. So if yeah, you that's a good share the stuff that you learn, you know what I mean? Like, like I had to go, I had to intentionally go like force myself to go backwards. So like, I wanted to like get on and make shorts about like, you know, the, how a, a waterfall IRR is structured and it, like it was going over people's head, you know what I mean? So I had to like, I had to like really go backwards and like, Okay, if you're going to buy a rental property, like this is how you calculate the cash, you know what I mean? And really kind of go back. So you'd be you'd be surprised at how much value you can add. And all of the of the hundreds of reels and videos I've put out, the ones that went viral, I say viral, they didn't really go viral, but the ones that got like a lot more attention were those like basic entry level ones. Like these are the four good reasons to invest in real estate, you know, cash flow, appreciate, you know what I mean? Those are the ones, the ones that are like, you know, calculating net operating income. Like nobody <laughs> looks at that stuff. Yeah. And it's the same phenomenon with, with guests. So more, more people will download this episode than downloaded the Brandon Turner episode. I promise. And I don't know why. <laughs> I do know why it's because you're relatable, right? Because so many of our, our, so many of our listeners are like right a step behind where you are. And and we're talking, we're talking about how you took those first steps. Like when I interviewed Brandon Turner, it was like, well, this is how I'm going to go from a hundred million in real estate to 500 million in real estate. And they're like, okay, well, that has nothing to do with me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I think I I might've actually been your, your podcast. Somebody was like, yeah, you know, I'm looking at a podcast and it says like so and so's got fifteen hundred doors. Like, I'm not listening to that. I I'm not ready for that. I'm going to this guy me. built ten houses. Was it you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so cool. it, was, yeah. it was about Gino Barbara. <laughs> I remember when I first yeah. started. Yeah. yeah, when I first started uh investing like I mean, like after I bought like my first house, I was like about to buy my second or something, or trying to figure out how to buy my third. And I was I was running a lot. And so I would listen to uh to bigger pockets and, and it would just kind of like go down the list and like next episode would play because i'd be going on these long like three hour runs and i would just let them play back, oh, back. Wow. and it would get and i remember like gino barbaro's one pulled up and it was like this is how i bought 1500 apartment units and i'm like dude skip like that's I'm, so un- I'm about my fourth <laughs> yeah 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 it's so unrelatable to me you know yeah yeah it is really cool and motivating to listen to those but at the same time it's like you know that's and maybe it's one of those supplementary things, you know, it's like, that's kind of just a pipe dream right now. Like I need to focus on like what's, what's achievable, but yeah, yeah. yeah it's funny. I remember listening to that. And I was like, yes, definitely. I, I feel that. <laughs> but it is a self, it is a self-limiting thing. So, because, um, and the more you get around the people, you more, and, and this is not a knock on anybody, but like you, you have this thing in your mind where you're like, oh, well, they're, they're better than me. They're smarter than me. They're, you know, more connected than me. 
And then you go and you meet them in person. Like dude, I have met multimillionaires at real estate meetups that can't tie their shoes. And I'm just like, <laughs> if this dude can do it, you know? yeah. like, the, like the guy, I've met people that have, you know, 2000 units that, that know less about real estate than you. And it just, you know what I mean? And so you, when mm. you, when you really go to meet a lot of the folks that, that have been successful in the arena, it, it helps to kind of like, deflect that self-limiting belief and you see like oh and i'm not knocking everybody like a lot of them are real smart guys or real sharp guys but they're just like you and me you know what i mean there's no yeah. it's not like there's some kind of like oh i'll never achieve that he's some super special dude no, they're not they're just they're just people that were committed yeah, to just, taking daily action you know yeah i was actually i went to an event last week it was like a three-day event here in richmond and uh one of the speakers there had 800 uh, rental properties, you know, right in my market, you know, so it's really cool to see like this guy, is, he's me, you know, he's just another one of us. He's in my area. Like he's from here. He's just, he's just a little bit ahead of me in the portfolio. Like if he can do it, like, yeah, why, why can I not do this? So yeah. So yeah, I could definitely. Tell me about the house flips. How's the house flipping going? Yeah. So I'm not really flipping too many at the moment, um, just because of the uncertainty of the market. Um, you know, I, I I generally um, flip like two a year, you know, not because I'm more into like the long term game, you know, cash now is, is definitely cool, but I'm more into the long term, so the rentals. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I usually flip like two a year and I use that income just to, uh, or the, the profits just to kind of help pay like the property tax and insurance, a little bit of overhead that I have. Yeah. Um, so that way I'm kind of cash flowing a little bit more each month since the flips are paying for the, the tax and insurance. But um, yeah, I, I recently I just signed a contract last week on a house uh, that I'm going to flip with somebody. So it was really, it was really cool. Like this girl's a go-getter. She, she, I did like every single day for 30 days, I did like a, a live video just talking real estate. And I noticed like over the course of like a week or two, she was like liking these videos, like, one, yeah. you know, a couple of videos a day. And then I was like, like, she's really like every day diving into these videos. And then, uh, yeah, it was like, Two weeks later, I noticed she had like pretty much liked every single video. And then she shot me a, a, a DM and was like, hey, can would you be comfortable partnering on something? Because she's overseas. She's not local. So I was like, yeah, you know, if you find the deal and, you know, maybe find some capital, you know, we'll, we'll partner on a deal. And I'll kind of walk you through the process. So and she did that. I mean, within a week, she, she she found a solid deal. She had the capital raise and she was like, hey, let's flip this. So this is actually like the first flip um, that I've done in a little while. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I am flipping too many houses right now. <laughs> <laughs> Based too on many. Too many uh, because of the market uncertainty. Uh, I feel that. Um, but mm. I, like like what I found was I'm like you. I, did, I, I never identified as a flipper. I never wanted to be a flipper. I mean, there's yeah. a reason that the, the podcast is called The Rent Roll Radio Show. Like I bought all those rental properties before I ever flipped the house. But I found that like when I started doing apartment complexes, you know, those are five-year business plans and you, know, you shoot $50,000, $100,000 out the door every time you do it, you know, to co-invest mm -hmm. with your investors, you run out of money pretty quick. And, the, and you know, from burying the properties, I just found myself in a place where I had the infrastructure in place to like get the deal flow and have the, the you know, the workers. Um, so we just decided to flip a bunch this year. Yeah. Whether that was a good idea or not, TBD, I'll let you know in about three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I know like with the, uh, are you doing syndications mainly? I, I do syndications, yeah. Okay, yeah, so like that that payout, like, yeah, you, you're making cash flow now, but the real money is like on the exit, right? Well, and we do, we do what's called a, like a European waterfall. So we're very, like on the front end, we're very investor friendly, like limited partner friendly. 
and then we don't like we don't collect or we don't get into our press until we've like into our promote until we've paid the cumulative press so okay, yeah so it's it, it is it's very delayed on you know on our end and like we get yeah. a we get a small acquisition fee but but honestly like what we what we end up investing is like probably five what's the, the acquisition fee is so I mean, <laughs> each deal i'll walk away in a worse cash position you know in real time yeah but wealth wise and down the road it's it'll yeah. definitely pay out for sure yeah. so what what would you uh what would you tell david if uh if you could talk to him you know back in 2016 when he started any any advice hindsight yeah definitely like i said like so i I initially started just using my own capital um saving up and and you know buying the houses and um i remember i was at a a school for the military and i couldn't really leave where i was but i had my my phone and my computer in my room so every day i was just like watching youtube videos and that's when i found bigger pockets and that's when i also found about the the power of like using other people's money and raising capital um and this was you know probably three years into my real estate journeys and that's when i was like I figured it out. Like, uh, you know, this is how I'm going to go. Yeah. Yeah. I remember like I went home and I told my wife uh, after I had graduated the class and I told my wife, I was like, hey, I, I figured it out. Like, I'm just going to find money and buy stuff and, and you know, do the Burr method and you know, explain it to that. She's like, that's really cool. But who's who do you know that has money? I'm like, I don't know yet, but I'm going to find them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so if I if I were to go back to 2015, David, you know, where I first started out, I would just say like, partner up, you know, that's, you know, I think I heard something recently. It's like 50% of, of nothing. I mean, of something is better than 0% of nothing. Well, um, I mean, 30% of a watermelon is way more than a hundred percent of a grape. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good point. Uh, so I would just say like, just partner up, start raising capital, whether you have deals or not, like just go ahead and start getting some capital, you know, in line. So that way, as soon as you do find the deal, you can move on it. You know, you don't, you're, you can use your own money, but the scalability and like you're really going to limit yourself once you you start using your own cash for deals. Yeah, for sure. So um, I want to hop over to our radio rounds to help our listeners get to know you a little bit better. It's just three quick questions. So the first one is, what's your favorite book? So recently, I think the the book that made like the largest impact on my business is. As real estate investors, we're always raising capital. We're always paying for maintenance issues. You know, we're always we've got money going to mortgages, to tax, insurance, contractors. We're raising capital. Capital's coming in. We're flipping houses. We're doing cash outs. I mean, you know, so the money is always just in, out, in, out, and out. So remember, like, I couldn't tell you how many times I told my wife, like, I have no idea how much money we're making. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I know we got this money in the account, but I, I honestly couldn't tell you, like, how much is the investors and how much is mine. And that's a disaster. Like that. Sure. That's not a good recipe. So um, I came across a book by David Richter. It's a uh, profit first for real estate yeah. investors. I just read uh, Oh, cool. Yeah. And that that book was just like the light bulb went off. Like I immediately went to my bank and I set up like five different bank accounts. I'm like, all right, this account is other people's money. It's not mine. This account is profits. This accounts for mortgages. This is maintenance and set up all those accounts. So I think that book really like gave me like the clearest vision of like how my business is actually performing versus looking at tax returns or just taking a, a stab in the dark at it. Yeah. Cool, man. Um, and how long have you been, have, have you implemented that system? Um, let's see, this is probably actually, I read the book on a flight over to, to France. It was, it was really cool. Um, and that was for D-Day. I went to Normandy for D-Day. So that was back in June. So roughly uh, three months ago, I'd say. Awesome. Awesome. I'm glad mm-hmm. to hear that, that 
positive feedback. What um, what's your favorite quote? So um, it's a pretty popular quote, you know, Henry Ford. It's uh, whether you, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Um, and I think that's that's just a very powerful quote. You know, it's a lot of this. You know, the first thing in the active duty passive income, the the education that I went through, the very first thing they talked about was just mindset. Uh, and I think for all, you know, whether you're buying single family apartment complexes, stored units, whatever it is, like you you have to be in the right mindset to know that you absolutely can do this. Um, that, that's that's definitely my favorite quote there. Yeah, it's like it's like ninety percent of all of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, what's your favorite thing to do when you're not working? So I've got three kids. I've got a five year old, a two year old, and a seven month old. Oh wow! Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I would say my favorite thing is just hanging out with them and and just watching them grow and and playing playing with them. Awesome, awesome. So how can our listeners get in touch with you and learn more about you and follow you and invest with you? Yeah. So like I said, I'm early in the podcast, like I'm, I'm just kind of recently getting into Instagram and, and Twitter and LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn, um, Instagram at David Sanford 215, um, same as Twitter. Um, but yeah, I would love to connect. You know, I'm always talking to new people and just kind of, even if you just, if you have a question, if you just want to talk to somebody that's done some deals, like feel free to reach out. Awesome. Well, David, I really, uh, I really enjoyed getting to know you today and definitely looking forward to keeping up with you on your journey. And, um, you know, we just closed on an asset in Virginia. So the next time I'm oh, cool. that way, I will definitely reach out and see if we can get connected. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Congrats on that. Awesome. Thanks, David. Have a good one. You too, sir. This episode was brought to you by Crestworth Capital. If you're a busy professional and ready to make passive income from real estate investing, then go to CrestworthCapital.com where you'll be able to download a free copy of our ebook to help you get started today. Until next week, happy investing.